0: Eating. I'm not eating anything. Um, on <laughs> I've got a team. gallon
1: of Pop Rock. I'm That's
0: on- what it
2: sounds like. It sounds like <laughs> you just dumped half a bag of Pop Rocks in your mouth.
0: No. It's, it's this? That?
2: Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't it. see it.
0: It's a, it's, I mean, you heard it. Uh, No, it's a bag with a heat wrap because at some point during this whole process, I really fucked up my left hand, which wouldn't be an issue if I didn't do everything with my left hand. So, you know, my, my middle finger, so I can't even like just like properly, you know, flip off anyone.
1: Bows and flying sauces, and he teased the government conspiracies. But I've seen none of the about. If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles. Lose my little mind. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to another episode of X Files Talk X Files, the only podcast where paranormal investigators get their just desserts. I'm oh, sorry, deserts, just deserts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm your host, David Hald, and joining me today from Xfiles.news is Tiffany and Avi. Hi. Hello to both of you.
2: Hello. <laughs>
1: so today uh, we are starting the uh, new era of X-Files, post-Mulder. <laughs>
0: Well, he's still there in some way. He is,
1: he is. We're he's talk- in
0: space. Space with the aliens.
1: With the aliens. Yeah. We're doing okay. season eight. We're doing the first third of season eight of within Fruit of Via Negativa. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But first, uh, we do have a listener question. This is from my friend Jeremy Blackman, who is asking, what role do you think the X-Files had in making TV a more attractive medium for directors? Was it mostly about visual innovation, use of light, etc.? Who wants to tackle that one first?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we're going to say the same thing or not. Um, Well, I'll let Avi. Do you want to go first, Avi, or I can go first? Either way.
1: I think you should go first, Tiffany, since she's had about two minutes to prepare her (laughs) answer.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, For for me, again, this is my opinion. Abby may say something completely different. But I think what sets television and film apart um, from – and this is more from kind of a storytelling perspective probably than a directing perspective, but you – your audiences follow your characters in television a lot more than film because it's a medium that brings the story and brings those characters into your everyday life so you're not going out into a theater and seeing it for two hours and then not really thinking about it a lot after that. Television in particular with the X-Files which had nine seasons on TV these stories and these characters and these people were in your life you know week after week after week, year after year so I think that it could be a very attractive medium simply because you're able to build that type of a relationship with your audience. Um, for a director that's directing something for television versus film, um, it, it's, I don't know, I mean, it, it's interesting with the X-Files because I think a lot of times they say it's very similar, um, and which not all directors may agree, but I remember back when they were doing Um, fight the future everybody thought that they had to do these kind of bigger and and better things for the film not realizing that that kind of over-the-top style didn't really translate any better than it would on television so um, I don't know maybe Abby can talk more from a director perspective but um, I don't for me from a storytelling perspective I can definitely see TV attracting a lot of directors and it's, it, it's been really only recently, maybe in the last, I don't know, five or six years that a lot of these kind of big-time directors are starting to come to, to TV and do stuff. For a long time, people really kind of thought of TV as the, you know, the little annoying kid brother, and they didn't really pay much attention to it until recently.
0: I think so. In a, in a way, I agree with you, um, especially because a lot of people basically thought that TV was basically the place where you would start up because no one would want to give a lot of money to a director to do a first feature. So you have to basically pay your dues and the way that you paid your dues was starting out on television. And a lot of people looked at it as kind of disdainful because it was like Mm -hmm. lowbrow. And for a long time, especially because during... the the 2000s there were a lot of sitcoms so a lot of directors would end up directing a sitcom Um, and even before that too there was a lot of comedy on TV not a whole lot of drama on TV and whenever you did get to direct a drama it would be on something that could range from Days of Our Lives to something great such as you know Law and Order or X-Files and But the chances were that where there was more rotation was comedy. So directing for TV wasn't a very prestigious thing to say. The thing, though, changed slowly whenever shows such as Law and Order, such as The X-Files, such as Lost started to come up because they weren't seen from the network as something that was a multi-camera show that you know you will be locked inside a studio all the time and even if you were if they were more expensive projects that directors have the ability to be tempted to push the envelope to be more creative and as it is I remember when I started I started going to AFI um, which is the American Film Institute um, I remember that the idea of working on TV wasn't as unfamiliar or as vetted as it was for generations before ours because it didn't seem so daunting anymore to come out of the conservatory and start up on TV because it didn't mean that you would be just chancing it or just like trying to make it do while you got your break on film. And as it is right now, a lot of the people that actually Went to school with me, or graduated a year before, a year after, are right now striving to get on TV because mm-hmm. now the big budgets uh, are there. Uh, obviously, not in, in you know a big budget such as like Josh Whedon, but like you would still get a pretty decent project and have uh, stories that aren't completely devoid of that edge you know, that most directors would want to have. And definitely with The X-Files, the case is that um, even though most episodes were directed by just a few directors uh, or like the big bulk, um, and there were chances where you had, you know, guest directors whenever Kim Manners or Rob Bowman were in another episode working it out or prepping it or whatever. Um, it, it made it a little bit different for, for the show because these two people, even though they, they, they weren't there from the beginning, uh, really shaped up what the, the show became. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you would get uh, guest directors that would come, but it was really the Kim Manners and the Robo-Man show. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, the other directors acted very much, you know, um, at, you know adhering their, their own work to what Kim Manners and, and, and Rob Bowman had set up as a pace for the show. This, and, and this was, you know, it, it's, it's a situation that is not really uh, common. On shows, basically, because in other shows the guest director or the the variety of directors happens a lot more. Um, But the fact that these two people worked so closely with the writers all the time it almost made them part of that writers' room. That it's not a common occurrence on TV because most of the time the writers work their their stuff and they come to the director and then the director it, it's it's part of this process and if you get a bunch of different directors all the time then it's not a a thing that it's you know maturing over time so with kim and rob being there all the time and being part of the producing strategy of the show and being part of the the story part of the show then you know it 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 did a whole lot different for them, and that's that's very, you know, something that it's 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 very dif- different compared to other shows too. Because then it gave them the ability to think about what they could do for these characters or for the storyline of the show outside of those forty-two minutes that they were directing that week. So they could look ahead and. And maybe save some of these strategies or maybe save some of those cards that they had on their sleeve uh, for other moments. Instead of trying to burn them, all of them, on this one episode that they were given. So I don't know that, I mean, probably with the exception of maybe Castle that has a similar Mm -hmm. strategy with Rob Bowman working on the show. But I don't know that there's a lot of shows that could... Say the same thing nowadays um, I know that scandal sometimes keeps their body of directors very close um, I remember that the good wife whenever I was watching did but and and it has become a thing where you know the the, the smaller the show the more likely that it's going to happen so cable will do that and the the short order shows would do that, and sometimes even just have the one director, which is even even more telling of how television has shapeshifted for directors too,
1: because mm-hmm. then
0: it suddenly it became a thing where you can actually get a lot more work than a feature and still work it as it were a feature. So there's a case for Game of Thrones, or there's a case for Man in the Head Castle right now that also had just the one director and, and there's a, a lot of them that are working that way and so, it's more
2: steady work for them too yeah. which certainly makes it more attractive
0: yeah the thing too is that now you're living in an era of television where it's no longer you know thought out as oh we need to close out every episode this way because people are not you know gonna remember next week but now you're living in an, in a world where people binge watch things. So, for instance, with *Man in the Hat* Castle, you watch the show, and I mean, it is almost designed so that you need to binge binge watch the show because otherwise, it's just yeah. it's one big story, and you need to keep up with like whatever is happening. And from week to week, it might actually not have the same impact. I so, agree. yeah. So, you know. I, I think what's going to happen in the next few years is that n- movies will always be attractive because it's always the big glamour and, and, you know, the big money is involved sometimes, not all the time. Uh, but television is going to be- bring a lot more variety and a lot more challenges than movies will ever bring. And I think a lot of people now are going to start fighting to work on
1: television than to work on movies. So yeah. yeah. But, I mean, <clears throat> TV is definitely becoming a much more attractive medium across the business. And you know, TV, I think it remains though a writer's medium. I mean, it's a storyteller's medium, but most especially a writer's medium because they can have the opportunity of telling the story over an extended period of really digging down into each of these characters. And I. Like, and obviously that appeals to actors as well, and I'm sure it does to directors too. Um, maybe not quite the same extent as it does the writers because they are the showrunners more often than not. Um, but one thing that the X-Files did was, that was uncon- unconventional at the time was that it had a lot of more visual storytelling than TV usually did. You know, people would put on the TV and they could listen to it while they're doing the ironing or while they're getting dinner ready or something like that. And they could still follow along. But with X-Files, you really had to sit there and actually pay attention to the images that were on the screen. Um, and I was wrecking my brains trying to find, think of some really good examples from early seasons. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the best I could come up with is a really terrible moment from the show. <laughs> but it, oh. it's the whole palm equals lamp thing.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Um, And the first, you know, the entire first 10 minutes of Zero Sum, where it's Skinner going about cleaning up evidence, and unless you're sitting there and watching it, you know, it could be doing anything on the TV screen, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there's a very clear sort of linear um, sort of DNA between shows that came before it, like Twin Peaks. Uh, and then obviously X-Files leading to st- to stuff like Lost and Fringe and even The Wire in terms of the the level of visual storytelling that went on more so than in typical TV. Um, I think from a technical standpoint you know X-Files is one of the first shows that really tried to be cinematic on a TV screen and with a TV budget. It was one of the first shows that was shooting in widescreen format even though TVs weren't showing widescreen TV, but by the time that was the norm and the DVDs came around, they already had the widescreen version of every episode ready to go. They didn't have to do the pan and scan or, or whatever the reverse of that would be to make it look like it was widescreen. They already had the widescreen versions of every episode ready to go. Um, and also the creative side of it. Like the writers could do something completely different from one episode to an the next. They could do an out and out horror and a romantic comedy, and then something else. You know, the directors got a chance to do that too. So, the fact that we have some regular directors on the X Files, you know, they weren't just doing the same sort of textbook episode week in week out. You know, they could do a high tech blockbuster one week, and then a point of view comedy the next, and then a high-speed uh, cross-country car chase. So, yeah, it, it just a lot of different things there that the x did, that it was primarily, um, I think, a lot more visual storytelling than your typical TV show about that time.
2: Yeah. That's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good listener question.
1: <laughs> and if you have a listener question, please, please send them in. Uh, you can... Go to xfilestalkxfiles.com and click on the contact button, or you can just hit me up on Facebook or Twitter. I'm David T. Howard on both of those. So please keep those listener questions coming. We only have a few episodes left now before the revival, so get your questions <laughs> in now, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, on to the episode discussion then. And uh, we'll start with the two-part of Opens Season 8: Within and Without. And uh, we have to just start with the whole introduction of Doggett here, really, don't we? Uh, this is going to descend into an hour-long conversation on the merits of Robert Patrick. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: well, we already know the merits, but it would still descend into the conversation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's give let's give a bit of context. Let's set this up. So season seven came to a close. Um, Requiem I think had even aired before we even knew if the show was going to come back or not Uh, so we knew by the time that this season came around we knew what the deal was with David's contract that he was going to be there for maybe half the episodes we knew that there was going to be a new partner for Scully and there were different rumors was it going to be Bruce Campbell was it going to be Skinner promoted to a full-time part Um, And then, of course, it was announced that Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 was going to be coming in as this guy called Doggett. So we knew what we knew what the deal was going to be. There were, um, I guess, different sectors of the fandom had different opinions on this turn of events. There were people like me who was just so excited that there was going to be more X-Files and the show wasn't going to be ending. So I was on board with whatever they decided to do. I just was happy there was going to be more. Uh, there were other people who were not so happy that Mulder was not going to be there, and even worse, he was going to be replaced. Um, so this, these whole first seven episodes that we see that we're going to be talking about today, um, a lot of them deal with trying to get over that audience. Um, the audience is perceived negative reaction to Doggett so the first time we see him he has a glass of water to the face um, the next few episodes it's just you know really sort of heavy-handed manipulation of the audience in trying to get them on side with Doggett like in Patience he stands up for her stands up for Scully against the sheriff he saves her life at the end he saves her again in Road Runners um a lot of sort of repetition on that trying to get people to like Doggett Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd probably know what, what you two your thoughts were on the introduction of Doggett but uh, why don't you uh, tell us yourself <laughs>
0: um, how do you want to take this
2: <laughs> um, I, what I think is interesting about her meeting him for the first time is Doggett lies to her so their I mean their initial relationship is already built on this level of distrust because you know she's just lost her partner obviously she's pregnant spoiler warning for whoever <laughs> in the world hasn't seen this season um, but it's interesting to me that when Scully first meets Mulder she meets him in the basement and of course they have kind of that dialogue and they go into you know, he's already read about her and he has a level of respect for her. And certainly Doggett obviously has done his homework and and kind of understands a little bit about them. But I don't remember Mulder lying to her in like the first two minutes of meeting her. Well, you know, Doggett, Doggett also suggests
1: of, that there were other women in the FBI that he yes, did talk to.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. So he's he, pushing he, all the
0: right buttons to
2: like yes. get himself killed. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and of course he doesn't know the extent of her relationship with him. Obviously, he doesn't know that she's pregnant with his child. But um, it, it always did interest me that they set that relationship up from the start to be contentious. So. I feel, too,
0: it's, I mean, I remember back in the day whenever they were talking about how to bring in a character such as him that was... Essentially, the very radical uh, skeptic. Mm-hmm. Something that Scully was never. I mean, she was. She still and and still has a skeptic side to her, but she was never as close-minded as and stubborn as Doggett seemed or wanted to be. Even though he couldn't actually yeah. it. Um, but it was also, you know, how tongue-in-cheek it was about bringing him in and, you know, just the writers just flat out just put it out there, just, this is a, you know, slap of cold water in the face because, you know, Mulder is not here. And they, I mean, it it, it was also kind of liberating to have that moment happen whenever, you know, Doggett first meets Scully. And... It just happens to be a lot. I mean, if he, I know that at some point no one really, you know, sat down and, and said, like, yeah, this is gonna be the theme of this character, but it uh, it also sealed the fate for the character because he was consistently in every episode getting thrown water on his face because he was constantly challenged. He was, you know. He he never, like, he would, he would never actually fit in into what these people believed in because his yeah. ultimate belief was, you know, I, I need to save this person. I need to, you know, protect Scully, and I need to figure out what the actual truth is. In his mind, it probably wasn't ever that aliens were involved. In his mind, it was probably what he later on, you know, comes to, you know, proposed as a theory that he was involved into some kind of ritualistic group or some other, you know, theory that he might have entertained, but it was always that thing. He came into the show to be consistently, you know, shocked. And and that, I think, was a great theme for him to come in. Um, As for what happens in Within and Without, if we're going to talk about the two episodes together since there's you know continuing yeah. um i feel like as an as an episode they're great episodes i almost you know from time to time i just even seen that standoff scene on on the desert and it, yeah. it it's just so for me, how i I don't know if it happened to anyone else, but I was so already ready to think that this person wasn't Mulder that he seemed so different to me um and just the way that he carried himself and as a as an acting challenge, it was great um and as for the rest of the characters trying to get acquainted with the fact that Mulder is no longer there that now there's so much mistrust and so much that feeling of loneliness too, you know that that's now become Scully's theme uh, because she's now alone, trying to figure out what to do about bringing, you know Mulder back, and and now alone, thinking that she doesn't know who to trust, and and even when she has. Skinner, who she has an an upper hand into believing that she can trust him, and now this new character. At the end of the day, she's the only person she ever felt, you know, accompanied by or like, you know, not alone with or smolder. So the whole opening scene with her in front of the mirror, and you know, this gigantic drama that's about to embark on her life. It's, it's just. For me it's 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 a moment on the series where I think all these opinions about, you know, Mulder not being there and fans being disgruntled because David had left and all this stuff kind of you know, make people forget that there are amazing moments in these two seasons. And that one it's an amazing moment because you've never seen Scully so raw, so mm-hmm. you know, so hurt and so naked in her own grief. Even you know, moving you know, ahead and, and thinking about it, this is not happening and 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 dead alive, this one moment it's it, it's what sets those two up. So I think as a as a character building for Scully, that was also great. I mean, I understand people that don't like season 8 and season 9. I mean, these are people that grew up with the show and, like, you know, they're attached to David and and they had their own opinions. And obviously there are mistakes in season 8 and season 9. But they're not seasons that you want to skip. They're not seasons that that you should vilify just for the sake of being kind of like on the gangbang of like, oh, no, there's no Mulder, so I won't watch it. That's well, yeah. ridiculous,
2: you know? And I don't think Robert Patrick is the mistake in season eight.
0: No. So, I
2: mean, he's... And what's so amazing about him is that really um, his character, John Doggett, is the anti-Mulder. So everybody, you know, get is very emotional about Mulder leaving, but when you start watching... Doggett and his interactions with Scully that begin in within and continue on throughout this season and into the next, he is the exact opposite of Mulder. Not only is he by the book in all of his investigations, and uh, you know, obviously he's pushing her buttons to kind of help. He helps round her character out in a way that she becomes more of the believer. But in addition to that, Doggett is never ditching her ever. Like I don't even think there's. I, I'm fairly certain there's not a single dogget ditch at all <laughs> in the series. Whereas, they, I mean, you can you can't even count on two hands how many times Mulder does it because it's so often, you know. So it, yeah. he's he's set up to be kind of this loyal puppy dog friend, you know. He's it, of course in later later on, you know, he and uh, Monica Reyes' character talk about cat people and dog people. Like dogget oh. is. The dog person. I love how like my dog barks. That was right, <laughs> right. That's super unkey, Lincoln. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I-, I like that Doggett is set up that way. That he is the loyal one. He's the one that she can count on, and and continually, you know, and he-, he doesn't know that she's pregnant or you know any of this kind of stuff, but he's still concerned for her and and doing all of these things. And what's interesting is, is that as this is happening, I think a lot of fans are getting kind of, they some of them are liking him and some are growing more irritated, you know, because yeah. he's, he's kind of inserting himself into her life. Um, and it gets, it gets so much better, like towards the end of season eight, when, uh, of course, when Mulder does come back. Um, and there's these moments between Doggan and Scully where, I mean, they've had a life together as friends and partners that Mulder's not been a part of and so when Mulder comes back later on it's a very interesting dynamic that he comes back into uh... and i think the show is you know, obviously david was leaving and and i think the show could have kind of gone on and and been terrible if they let it but i think having Doggett and then later reyes come into it really made it a great show it was different it's obviously not going to be the same as seasons one through seven. But like Abby said, Scully wouldn't have had the growth she had in seasons eight and nine, had Mulder's character been there the whole time.
0: Yeah. No, no, so,
2: I mean, you, you wouldn't have seen all these amazing scenes from Jillian Anderson. They I wouldn't think, have
0: existed. And then like, there's the fact just, I don't want to compare, but I do have to compare whenever, you know, Jillian got pregnant and it, you mm-hmm. know, it, it triggered the whole, you know, storyline of her getting abducted and all this stuff um but now with mulder leaving getting abducted and david having his own plans for his own career it it actually it gave the the show an opportunity that yeah it wasn't developed as much as you would want to have developed but also looking in hindsight had he not left at that moment and had, them, had they taken the road that they still took, which is to get her pregnant, mm-hmm. I don't know what the the actual interest in story, storytelling would have been, because then what's the challenge, really, for these two characters? Had Mulder and Scully left and like stayed, I'm sorry... Um, what's is it gonna become what, now they're playing house now that she's pregnant? Are they gonna like would have been I don't I don't know what this show would have looked like, to be quite honest, had they had Mulder not left. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't really a bad deal. I probably the bad deal is that he was gone for so long. Um but I mean, had he stayed and had she been pregnant and, you know, okay, so we now have to tackle that you like pregnant and you couldn't get pregnant and like what does it mean, is this an alien baby or whatever, but then it suddenly becomes, you know,
2: not the exiles, yeah. you know. Well, and that would have had to take an entire season to yeah. of doing that, whereas this way, it almost split season eight into two seasons. You kind of have the first half of season eight where they don't, you know, she doesn't tell anyone really she's pregnant, obviously, except for Skinner. Um, and so she's still investigating and they're still doing stuff. And then she has those painful moments where she's, you know, worried about the life of herself and her unborn child and worried about Mulder. And then, you know, Mulder comes back halfway through. And then you start getting kind of the moments of the two of them together and um, kind of playing house, but not really. Because because of everything that happened the first half of the season, there's mm-hmm. all that emotion and rawness and, it was brilliant in a way, the way that they were able to work it, and it. it I completely agree. It would have been a totally different show. I would, have
0: probably, I would have probably stopped watching, to be quite honest. I mean, there's just so much ship that you can take, and probably also the fact that I wasn't. I can't. I didn't come into the show being a shipper, and it would. It would have probably bored me to death at some point. Mm-hmm. But I don't think. I don't think all of the steps taken on season a were bad. I think well, you realize lot... we're the
2: ultimate shippers and we're saying, <laughs> we're saying, I, just, I think it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I totally agree. We're the ultimate shippers who are saying sometimes there is too much ship. Yeah. And I think you know. Doggett's an amazing character. I, I mean, I, I think in the beginning, certainly I was resistant to it. Um, you know, I mean Mulder's leaving and and I had spent my entire childhood. I was 13 when the show started. I spent my whole childhood watching Mulder and Scully. So it was definitely a change by season 8 to see that that was going to be different, but at the same time, I, you know, I went on this roller coaster journey with Doggett and and then Reyes and I their characters for me are synonymous with the X-Files storyline now. I don't separate them from the show in the same way that i don't separate david or jillian from the show
1: and i will say the first half of season eight we have you know it is mostly standalones and a lot of them are really good episodes you know there's some that maybe aren't as strong as others but it's a really good run of episodes the first half of season eight and yeah. you know of course then second half it's a totally different show again as you said because yeah Monda it's like another you know, the problem for me was never the absence of Mulder. You know, I you know, paid attention to what was going on behind the scenes, so I was prepared for Mulder not being there and I was looking forward to meeting this new guy, but understood that there would be a lot of fans who were not as immediately on board as I was prepared to be. The problem for me with the last two seasons is just how much of it is built around the absence of a single character. Mm-hmm. that you know okay it's understandable in, in in this two-parter and you know I guess maybe I wasn't prepared for just how much character continuity they were suddenly going to give us in season eight after having seven seasons where things sort of got dropped off at the end of one episode never to be mentioned again <laughs> um, so you know I, and I get that that it is such a big part of it and You know, even through the first half of season eight, it kind of runs in and out of episodes a little bit. Yeah. And it's not too overbearing. But season nine in particular, I just think that there's so much stuff that is built around David Duchovny not being there. It just seems like overkill to me.
2: That's really interesting to me because you're... And I I don't disagree with you. What's interesting to me is that you're a fan that was prepared to accept it, to accept Mulder not being there and was ready to kind of make that break, and yet they kept dragging it back through. And so that that's what you didn't enjoy about it, that you were ready to kind of evolve with the, with the characters and maybe have him mentioned every now and then, but because they so heavy-handedly kind of brought him into each thing to remind people, hey, don't be mad at us, Mulder's still around, that's the part that you didn't enjoy. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a couple of episodes in Season 9 in particular where it's... Yeah, so much about, you know, the absence of Mulder and it's like, and maybe it's because I did pay attention to what was going on behind the scenes. I was like, well, I know he's not going to be in this episode because he's only going to be <laughs> appearing in tr- the truth. I already know that. So, you know, don't don't <laughs> tease me with William and trust no one. I know that he's not going to be there. So...
2: Uh that trust no one teases was mean. That was mean. I really...
1: Let's okay. Let's start diving into more uh, okay. specific episode discussion then, I guess. We're talking so,
2: ro- about... so Roadrunners, mm-hmm. unless you want to talk about pieces, well, uh, David, if you want to talk about bats, we can go there.
1: I Well, a little bit. I mean, I want to okay. just sort of touch on all of them a little bit. Um, okay. Within and without, you know, uh, just talk about the specifics of that episode just real, real quick. <laughs> and then we will move on. I promise. Yeah, Abby
2: and I have already like moved on into season one. Yeah, but like quick. I'm
1: like. Sh- anyway, about trust that. no it's Like one.
2: twenty minutes of episodes one through twenty something in season eight, and then bounce right into season nine.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, okay. Within about just marks a shift, I guess, in terms of what the mythology is going to look like going forwards. That we've now shred. You know, we've now shedded um, everything that we loved about the mythology episodes of previous seasons. There's no CSM. There's no Krychek. There's no Marita. There's no Syndicate. There's no Mulder and Scully's parents. There's no Bill Scully. Everybody's absent there and we're just in the middle of the desert. And uh, it's a very sort of, I guess it reflects the introduction of Doggett's character. It's all sort of a grounded kind of mythology because the bad guys, if there are any, is kind of the, maybe the people within the FBI aren't as to be trusted as we thought they were um, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk more about the morphology I guess going on uh, in future podcasts but yeah, Patience, I quite liked this one, the first time I saw it it is a good Back to Basics Monster of the Week episode based on a little known Batman villain, Manbat. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I mean, the more I watch it, the more it just grates on me how heavy-handed it is in manipulating the audience to get on side with Doggett. And also the way that the sheriff pronounces the word human without a H at the start. It just really annoys me. It actually reminded me of a joke by a British comedian. um, And he's talking about, you know, different uh, other countries and stuff. And he's talking about Americans. And he starts getting into a song with an American guy in the audience. He's going, um you say potato, we say potato. You say tomato, we say tomato. You say herb, we say herb because it's got a fucking H on the front.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you just sang us a song. <laughs> that was, okay. That's great.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know.
1: But yes. Roadrunners. Let's talk about the best standalone that we have, at least in this selection. Probably... Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the top two or three of the season, I think. The only Vince Gilligan script of the year. Yeah. So, of course, it was going to be up there.
0: Yeah, I I liked it, basically, because it also... It's... I mean... Yeah, okay, we talked about how much the um, the theme of the season also became this thing where, like, you know, Doug has to prove himself as a worthy mm-hmm. partner and all this
2: stuff.
1: But Kali but- hotwire a bus. We never find <laughs> out.
2: <laughs> and perform a- surgery. And he's not a medical doctor. Yeah. But also
0: it's the thing of, like, how interested he is to try to understand these people that he, you know, he's, like, you know, delving into all these you know files and like and now he's able to like help her out as a partner per se and not just like you know just kind of half-ass and trying it and and like actually getting bent out of shape whenever he's he gets ditched because now it's yeah. a scully ditch you know?
2: yeah i know it's great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> Mulder did rub off on it yeah
0: <laughs> yeah he certainly did Will not make clearly a joke about in
2: more that. ways than one. Considering her, will, na- will not make a joke about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and 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 for whatever reason, this I mean, it's it's an episode that kind of reminds me for a little bit of Silent Hill, even though obviously it never got yes. to me that way. But for me, it was like, oh my God, this is just like you know three notches away from becoming that. Um, And I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite episodes too, because it's the, it's the first one that you actually, you know, see Scully scared of what she's no longer herself, just herself or just Mulder and her. It's also, she's now pregnant and
2: like, I have to say, what I love about this episode, also, you know, we we talk about Milagro and how, you know, of course, Frank, being that he wrote it, um, and and how Scully is kind of how Frank sees her, kind of in in that episode. And I I watch Roadrunners and I think about Vince Gilligan writing Scully bound and gagged to the bed, and I think what exactly is going is going on here. Yeah, um, <laughs> I always thought that was pretty funny. Oh man! But uh, yeah, that's that's such a great scene, and it gives Jillian uh, a really great opportunity to kind of play a very well-rounded character that's obviously dealing with a lot right now. And uh, it takes something that seems so silly, like it, it's a slug, for God's sake! Like it's a yeah. slug <laughs> that they worship because they think it's a god, and. It seems so insanely ridiculous, and yet it's such an amazing episode. And I have to say, if every everybody that like hated Doggett up until this point, I have to admit, I was kind of I liked Doggett, but I wasn't like in love with him. After Roadrunners, I I could ship that shit. I
0: could. Uh, I mean, but, I could very well go that way, but like I decided. In an alternate doing. universe, I could
2: ship the hell out of that shit.
0: Yeah. My my heart is in another ship. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> Do you mean the Scully Reyes ship that we'll talk about later on? Okay. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's a lot of people that about, that root for that one, but no. I, I was very heterosexual about my ships in this show. Yes. I mean, it was Mulder and Scully and Doggett and Reyes and in my head Doggett and Reyes are living <laughs> in, like somewhere.
2: Which is funny, because every now and then, David, I'll find, like, a YouTube video of Scully and Reyes, and I'll send it to Abby, and I won't tell her what it is. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, check out this great, you know, shipper video. And she, she watches it, and she's like, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> she it doesn't fall real. for it anymore, though. It only worked for, like, I don't know, a few months, a few years ago. Now, yeah. like, she'll, she reads the description before she clicks it. Yep. Not falling for that one again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, Roadrunners um, makes a nice return to sort of darker kind of horror that's been missing from the show for yeah. at least a couple of years. At this point, yeah. Um, and I just love that creepy bit when she's trying to find somebody who has a phone, and she's looking in all the windows, and everybody's mm-hmm. just in their little prayer groups, yeah. and that guy's just still standing on his porch, just watching her the whole way. You yeah. know, <laughs> I
2: like when they drag her back into the. Uh the barn or whatever when she's trying to get out and they literally drag her back in and then make her watch them murder a guy like the look on her face is just blows my mind as she's watching them bludgeoning the guy to death
1: yeah you can cut and see the sort of the wheels turning in her head because she's already said that it's going to be a close-knit group of people that would kill together and yeah. then you know she's sort of realizing this little town that she stumbled across is uh probably it
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay invocation then another spooky one spooky kids
0: that one actually i mean i know that you said that you know runners is probably the best one of this first run but i actually like invocation a lot like yeah. it's really i like you know looking forward into the show i feel like they probably because they hadn't Quite built the character yet, but feel like they missed an opportunity of linking this episode more with the whole Luke Doggett. With Doggett, yeah, yeah. But I really, really like this episode because it, I mean, it goes back to the creepy X Files skits, you know. Yeah. It's funny you said <laughs> how that much about, is a believer too. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's funny you said that about Luke Doggett though, because in my mind, this episode is really closely linked to. Sort of the beginnings of us understanding that backstory, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's actually in reality. He's is he is he even mentioned in the episode, or is it just that one shot where he looks at the photo in his wallet? I don't.
0: I don't think it goes too too much into detail at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't think remember it, it doing it. No, yeah, me neither. I mean, I can't even point it to that yet. I don't think so. No.
1: And yet, in my mind, you know, it's so much of, you know, the whole Luke Doggett thing is Mm -hmm. connected with this episode. And, you know, there's been some criticism that they could have come up with a bit more from an imaginative backstory. Because otherwise we're going to have Scully running around going, it's your, it's not your son.
0: (laughs) 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 Well... I mean, it it could have been just like him, not even like actually taking that stand. It's not gonna be my son, or like this is, you know, going into denial, which is not what he actually did, um, and have him actually embrace a whole this case is about my son thing whenever release happened. But I felt like it was a lost opportunity to be honest. It, it could have been nicer laid out, I suppose.
1: It's a really good creepy episode, though. We haven't had a good creepy kid one in a while. and yeah. Even the teaser is just so... Um, it really calls back um, the Kalushari. because. Oh, the, yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The kid going missing or kid being killed in the fairground. Yeah, On to Red Run, then. Which isn't really an X-Files episode. It's more like a Twilight Zone episode that... Couple of Exiles characters appear in a couple of scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had forgotten how little Scully and Doggett are actually in this episode.
0: Well, I can remember from like I mean I remember the whole episode, but like I remember a lot from this episode the fact that they did this like product placement with Scully's watch. That it just <laughs> always bothered me. It's like, oh my god, this is obvious. That they were trying to get money out of that, or that they did get money
1: out of that, but yeah. But yeah, this is, (laughs) Joe Morton basically carries this entire episode.
0: From From this particular episode, what I like is that, you know, the... It's a different narrative, it's kind of experimental, such as like the chances that they took with Triangle, and... And so many other things that we've seen in the past, but it was very different from what we've seen in the actual show. It's not something that they used before and they dare to, you know, get a lot more grittier into what they were telling because, you know, it's the whole thing. It was a lot more, I guess, visceral in some ways because it didn't sugarcoat any part of the assassination, or like, it always kind of kept you second-guessing this guy, did he really kill his wife, or is he just, like, going insane, or, like, what's the deal, and then you have, you know, Danny Trejo get involved, and it's, uh, for me, it was pretty scary at some point, because it was really dark, and the whole episode, per se, it's really dark, so.
1: Yeah, it's a very intense episode, and and uh, this is it. Kind of touched on it there. One of the things that consistently scares me in movies and TV. I mean, a lot of horror movies and stuff. I find it hard to buy into it or really be affected by it. But the idea that somebody can forget something bad that they've done or that they've got this blackout where they can't remember some potentially having done something. I think that's pretty scary. Kind of you know, like the whole idea of not being in control of your own body and stuff which we'll get into the next one with Via Negativa um, but just that idea that you could maybe do something and then have absolutely no recollection of it is kind of a very scary kind of idea to me so
2: yeah which you definitely get in the next episode
1: <laughs> yes so Via Negativa this is the one where it literally all was just a dream but it was kind of like field dream. trip. <laughs> <laughs> Better than field trip. <laughs> Better than field trip. Um. So yeah, um, and how do you start with this one? Um.
2: But it's, it's also the one where the guy like is projecting into dreams, right? Is yes. The third this, is, eye? Okay. this is
1: the freaky deaky one with yeah, a guy with thought. an extra eye in the middle of his forehead.
2: And it's also
0: the one where, like, actually, you know, logic starts being questioned for Doggett and, you know, it's it's hitting him where it hurts, you know, when he can't yeah. even trust his own judgment. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, especially that amazing sequence at the end where he's having the dream and he's at the FBI and the corridors are kind of extending away into infinity and... You have that bit where he goes into Scully's apartment with the mm-hmm. axe, and it's just like alternating between the bright blue. That's all you see yep. in the apartment, and it just fades to black, and it just c- continues to pulse in and out. And-,
0: and it's also what like it means because, okay, it could be just any dream, but it's that dream. It's he's t- attacking people where like his greatest fears are at the moment, and right now his life his life revolves around Scully. So that's one of the first, you know, times that you see that, oh, okay, so she's become someone important to him because it could have been anyone. It could have been his wife or his ex-wife or it could have been revisiting his own son's death or anything like that. But no, he like his fear chooses to go to Scully. So it's it's a telling episode, regardless of how little Scully is involved or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to have a. Pro- I used to like this episode. I thought it was a really good one, and you know, it's worth mentioning. This I think that only the second episode that had the sort of viewer discretion um, ahead of it. First episode being home, um, and I used to like this episode quite a lot, and I still do. But I always thought that it was kind of lame and showed a lack of confidence that they had to shoehorn Skinner in and the lone gunman here because they didn't have that much confidence in Doggett to really carry an episode. Um, but I think actually rewatching it recently that they do actually manage to fit them into the story quite organically. Um, so it does work better than I thought it did in getting those characters in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that just goes back to what I was saying earlier on that... It seems like, and maybe what you were talking about with the sort of fan reaction to stuff—that maybe there was a lot of stuff out there—and the writers were just hyper aware of not wanting to upset people by having Doggett take take such a central role. Because what was the deal with Gillian's contract in in this season? Was she?
0: I believe contract- that she was signed for another year and then sign on an additional year but I'm not quite sure there's right quite now. a
1: few episodes where she doesn't feature hardly at all yeah. so is that just well, a way trying to nine, give her some time off or did she have a reduced
2: i thought episode
1: count here i could
2: i could be wrong and someone listening to this if they remember it correctly or better than we do feel free to message us i i want to say that her season nine contract was actually the one that was different um that she had negotiated a higher rate of pay in addition to reduced screen time that that was a that she that her agent essentially went and negotiated that specifically
1: Definitely. i don 't
2: remember if season eight was also involved in that negotiation maybe it was i I've seem to recall that season nine was that way though because if you notice that there's um
1: yeah because there's some episodes she's not in at all in season right, nine in i think i remember nine. that about the contract and i couldn't remember if it was something similar in season eight i guess they just decided let's give her a little bit more time yeah. off it could be it could be that
2: because david wasn't here that she negotiated something in season eight i don't know if, if the pay in season eight was different but i i want to say that her season nine deal um again feel free if anybody remembers this accurately To tell us, but I want to say that her season nine deal was more money and less screen time. I I I don't know. I didn't. I haven't actually looked that much into that.
1: (laughs) No, what you said makes sense to me. That's kind of what I recollected.
2: Yeah. I don't know if it extended back as far as season eight, but I'm fairly certain that season nine had something like that. Um, because then when they were talking about season 10, um, they, you know, they were talking about going forward with Doggett and Reyes characters without um, Jillian. And then I think, honestly, I think with 9-11 and everything that happened, it, it just changed the landscape for the show. And I think they probably just decided it wasn't worth the risk to, to move forward.
1: Yeah, they should have just had Mulder and Scully and William riding off into the sunset, the end of existence, and well, then just have yeah. and Reyes in season nine.
2: Yeah, I would have done that. I totally would have watched that. But Jillian, under that point, I think was still under or had negotiated that season nine contract already. But. I'm gonna have to investigate this now. <laughs> yeah, we should we should look into it because I don't yeah. remember if the two years were linked or not. Like I don't remember if eight and nine was I a linked deal together or if they were separate.
1: I think wasn't that the deal with it, the show was going to come to an end in season five, and then David got a contract to the end of season seven. Seven. Which when I think they both ultimately it. decided to end and she maybe got
2: Sign another two years, maybe?
1: She yeah, she maybe got one that was a three year contract, so she was gonna be there through the end of eight if they did it. Yeah. But I'm, I may be wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. In any event, I'm fairly certain she was paid more for those seasons for less screen time, which, I mean, let's be honest, who wouldn't want to take that deal?
1: Are you getting some popping corn there, Avi?
2: Yeah, popcorn.
0: corn. <laughs> yeah, because this conversation, I'm going to need popcorn to, like, try to figure it out. Dark logic now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's a bad sign when one of your fellow podcasters is making food because they are getting so bored. So
0: no, I'm
2: not bored. I'm being really entertained. I'm just <laughs> she does this all the time. She just she was crinkling wrappers at the beginning. She says it was something else, but you know. No, it,
0: I'm Okay, if I could like bid right now, you would see that I'm like I'm actually making more noise because I have to make everything with my right hand, which over time has become apparently not very functional. And you Did you know, get like
1: some salamander DNA or something?
0: <laughs> See, this is the thing. I'm actually technically ambidextrous. Um, but I write with my left hand, I grab onto things with my left hand, I drive with my left hand. So I'm holding you know,
2: in so many things that I wanna to say to that right now, but I'm I'm swallowing it down. Shut up. And <laughs> so
0: um like you know, texting with my right hand or holding on to things with my right hand, it seems foreign. So right now I'm trying to cook. So she's louder with it, is what she's saying. Yeah, yeah. Don't have the, you know, the mirrorness with it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So we, we've we pretty much gone through uh, the first third of season eight. Yes. So... We're we're about halfway through the run of the standalones, pretty much. We do have some really good standalones in this season. I'm not a big fan of the next two. I'll tell you that now, um, but we'll talk about those next week.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think I don't think I can I, I can actually agree with everyone that really doesn't like season eight. That I agree with them in these two, though. Then, talking about season eight standalones,
1: then there's Medusa. Yes, uh-huh. we will get to that. We will get yeah. to that. Yeah. Love that one. Yeah, but I, I think it's got to be you know, Roadrunners. Um, yeah, Medusa. And I, then I, I'm not sure. Actually, those are the two. Those are the two that really stand sort of, up. Yeah. Yeah, stand. yeah. I think so too. The tower above the others. Um, yeah but yes we got some other good stuff to look forward to yeah Uh, we talked a lot about the the fandom politics of this season in this episode (laughs) so
0: and how they affect the studio work because i mean yeah they can be fandom politics and not have any kind of impact on anyone which is the, the kind of deal with a lot of other shows but these ones did and i mean that speaks of how like how much power despite of how much attention this fandom gets how much power it actually has yeah
2: it has a lot
1: So yeah so you got anything else to talk about these first seven episodes or should we just go into the quiz and ask questions about stuff we didn't really talk about
2: (laughs) we should things that we probably haven't seen in a few months (laughs) let's do it sure let's go
1: all right So, question one is from Patience.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: Avi, I apologise for the poor timing on my part. Oh, no. (laughs) What body part was regurgitated by the man bat?
0: Fingers.
1: (laughs) It's correct. (laughs) In Roadrunners, where does the episode get its name from?
0: From... The
2: cartoon, doesn't it? What? Isn't it from the cartoon? I don't even know where the episode gets its name from. What? There's like there's it gets its name from something.
1: There's actually a bus company sign near the first murder scene that said Roadrunners.
0: On you it. fucking
1: didn't really I <laughs> don't remember that. I mean, I'm assuming that that's where it gets its name from.
2: That's okay. because I'll believe Because there's
1: no other reference to roadrunners in the episode.
2: Yeah, it's not like they're like running around the street or anything. Uh, I actually so- believe that it's set in the desert and Wile E. Coyote
0: is
1: up. And everyone's just trying to kill the Jeebus slug. And every time yep. it gets away, it goes beep beep.
2: Yep. <laughs> Very
0: I'm, slowly. I'm sure that the... Gas that they put on Scully's car was acne. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with that.
1: And if she'd just drawn a hole on the wall, she could have escaped.
0: Yep. Painted it, <laughs> painted it, and it's fine. Okay.
1: I think I'll go with my answer. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Uh, question three In Invocation, what song did Ronnie sing to Billy?
2: Oh, um. Oh, All horses? the pretty little horses. Yes. Yeah. Woo! Yay! We got one or another one. Two, actually. Two, Two out of yeah.
1: three so far. Red rum. What tattoo did the killer have?
2: Was it a spider?
0: Yeah, a spider. Yeah.
2: It a spider like or a spiderweb?
1: Spider spiderweb.
2: Spider yeah. Yeah. Did you toast yourself? Is that your sound effect? (laughs) This this is like a new record somewhere. Abby's like clinking a glass in the background. (laughs) Yep. like celebrating this right now. she's sauteing whatever it is she's doing.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm making uh, pork tenderloins.
2: Screw
1: you. (laughs) Very nice. And final question, uh, just to um, further... uh, Improve your appetite. <laughs> In Via uh, Negativa, how does Tippett attempt to commit suicide? By
0: slam. We. Oh. Um. Didn't he like like want to slam like a hatchet on his head? No, that that was that was dogged. That was dogged. Um. We fail at this. We should just like hand over extra I I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. By don't cutting
1: remember. his head open on a table saw.
0: Wow. Uh well, I was close because he needed to like get like you know get what, rid leverage? of a third eye. Third no. <laughs> eye, yeah. <laughs> no, not levers. Get rid of a third eye. <laughs> well, he could have just carved it out with a spoon or something. Well, it takes a lot more work.
1: It was subconscious, so it was like sub-cranium. It was like
2: subconscious. Yeah.
1: so it was- There,
2: there
1: you go. Mm. <laughs> this episode is just falling apart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, it was just better when we just talked about Robert Patrick. We'll just, you know, we'll just talk Robert Patrick the whole time.
1: Okay, that is it for this week's episode. And I'm sure you're all breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> next week, please come back. Please come back. We're going to talk the next third of this season. We're going to do Shawkill all the way through to This Is Not Happening. That's oh appropriate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> who even... we? Oh my, that's so funny. I was like, who even has that episode? I just realized it's us again.
1: No. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was like those lucky bastards. <laughs> and then I checked Trello and I was like, oh uh, we're exactly.
1: doing that. Yeah. And then after that we should take a break and go watch the Lone Gunman. That'd be nice, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. It's just how many episodes? Ten? Thirteen episodes.
1: Yeah. Well that's when they aired it, wasn't it? Yeah. So we'll get into that as well. Okay. Um I think that's it. Uh thank you Tiffany. Thank you, Avi. Thank you. Um, everybody go along to x the site actually is up now, we promise, because... Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Last time, yeah, we had, we had, I, I did say, unless something really tragic happens, and yeah. something really tragic happens.
2: And when she says that, it's just... It just It, almost, it Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. alright though, but now it's for real. Yeah.
1: So go there, please. Also, go to xfiles.xfiles.com. Send me your listener questions. Um, when is this episode going live? It uh,
2: goes live on December 11th.
1: Okay, so you've still got some time for some last-minute Christmas shopping. So go to <laughs> xfiles.xfiles.com. Click on the Amazon affiliate link. It won't cost you anything extra. A little bit of the money spent. Comes back, helps support the show. Boom. There you go. Um, this is it. Uh, that, this is our show. We're going to go now and I'm going to sign out on something which is not going to make any sense unless you actually remember Patience because we didn't talk about it a whole lot. (laughs) So (laughs) smell you later.
0: I was trying to restart my computer, but you guys called, and now my is stuck trying to <laughs> figure out what the fuck I want to do.